Canuck Central, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. Uh, coming up, we'll have uh, Arshdeep Baines of the Abbotsford Canucks joining us. Was the AHL All-Star MVP and got a shout-out today from Rick Tockett that uh, at some point they'd like to get him a look-see or just have him come up and at least practice with the big club. Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing that he's kind of mentioning here is part of development, coming here and getting a taste. It's not about him coming up here necessarily and and being a fixture all of a sudden, getting this chance. It's come up here, spend a couple of days, practice with us. Maybe you actually get into a game. Yeah, get an NHL paycheck. Yeah, exactly. And, and kind of Reward see. for, you know, playing so hard and all those things mm-hmm. in the AHL. And see how things go. If they hit a uh, number of injuries up front, then yes, you can see them getting a maybe an extended look unless they make some sort of a move or whatever. You know, Phil Kessel's hanging around. And yes. That's what I hear. But... <laughs> Those are the types of things that they're looking at with these players. Not necessarily, hey, if he comes up, like, again, like, don't put the card ahead of the horse. <laughs> don't think if he gets called up, it's because he's necessarily playing. But with the way they've gone about developing these players and how good a season he's had, it's very encouraging, not only for him, but also how this organization is going to hopefully continue developing good players internally. Archie Baines coming up. Uh just after 5 o'clock here on uh, Canuck Central. So I was listening to Elliot Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick today on the Jeff Merrick Show, which uh, happens 9 o'clock every day here on Sports at 6.50. One of the things they talked about was last year there was an arms race in the East. You had the Islanders getting Horvat. You had Boston going and getting Orlov and Bertuzzi and... All of these teams across the Eastern Conference seemed like they wanted to or had to load up. And this year, it feels like that might happen in the West. And I don't know if that should scare you. I mean, look, going through the Stanley Cup playoffs is going to be a difficult task. It is the hardest trophy to win in sports, as the old saying goes. And... Getting through the West is starting to feel like it could be a little bit of a gauntlet Mm -hmm. this year. It already feels that way with the way Vegas and Edmonton are playing and how they look. Dallas looks pretty good as well. They are right now second in the West to the Vancouver Canucks and first in the Central Division. So is that something that makes it a little bit more difficult getting through the Western Conference playoffs? I started wondering, like, what could each of those contenders use mm-hmm. that takes them to another level? The Canucks already made their big move, right? They have, and they're still looking to add some more. Yeah. But we know the other teams outside of Winnipeg are really looking at making some level of significant addition. Is it a top four defenseman? Yeah. Is it a top six forward? Is it a number one goalie? These are the positions these teams are looking to address. Dallas, the, the thing Dallas could do that is very obvious... And we've mentioned it a couple of times here. The thing Dallas could do is add Chris Tanev. And that really fills out their top four on defense. They've already got a pretty stacked forward group. Of the available players, like Chris Tanev just seems like a dream fit if you're Jim Nill and the Dallas mm-hmm. Stars. The question is, do you want to give up the first rounder for a rental? That's that's really the determination, I think, 
the Dallas Stars are, are currently trying to make. Yeah, and are they waiting for the price to kind of come down and then yeah. they swoop in? But as we've talked about quite a bit the past week, if they add Chris Tanev, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, that makes them, I wouldn't say the favorite, but they're they're very scary. They're almost as good as anybody in the West. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're that far behind Vancouver right now. I like the Canucks overall defense better with uh, obviously the way Hughes is playing and mm-hmm. just how how it's built out. But goaltending wise, it's probably a wash. Ottinger versus Demko. Yep. Demko pro- pro- probably has had the better season so far. I'd yep. say I think that's fair. But at their best, very similar high end goal. Well, that first meeting between the two here in Vancouver was like. It was a goalie showdown. Both yeah. Ottinger and, and Demko were making all kinds of crazy saves. Unreal. Is Pedersen and Miller better than any two forwards the Dallas Stars have? Because I think Rupe Hintz is really good. So is Jason Robertson. Yeah. I would say... Like, Pedersen's probably the best like, forward out of both teams. In a draft of, of the two forward groups, I'd still take Pedersen first overall. Yeah, and then you can debate the rest, yeah. pretty much. But, I mean, you might take Robertson, you may take Rupe Hint. I mean, they have a lot of good players. Their forward depth is probably slightly better than Vancouver's. Top to bottom, like yeah. 1 through 12. 1 to 12. Like, their depth, I think, the connects high end, you can mm-hmm. argue for. Their third line is loaded, too, and their fourth line is, like, really good. So maybe slight edge overall depth-wise, they add a top four defenseman. Like, there is really not much separating those two teams. The Colorado Avalanche have a real need in their middle six. They've relied a ton on their top guys. You know, Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen are, last I checked, leading the league in average ice time for forwards, mm-hmm. and don't think that's changing anytime soon. You know, some of the moves they made in the offseason, Ross Colton, Miles Wood, those guys are working on their second line right now. Zach Parise was brought in here midseason. He's on their third line now. They do have some injuries. They may get uh, Landeskog back for the playoffs, but he hasn't played hockey in two years, so you're not really sure what you're going to yeah. get out of him after the long layoff. Nichuskin is hopefully going to come back for yeah. them because he's in the player assistance program, but at some point, hopefully, he's, he's well enough to come back. If they could add a 2C, it would... Uh, it would make them even a little bit more scary than they already are. That's really, on defense, hey, everyone can use more depth. I think their defense is pretty loaded. Well, still. It's, it's still, like, it's it's hard to upgrade their top four. No, you can't really upgrade their top four. Yeah. It's maybe the third pair, add a little depth. And if you think Mans, uh, uh, Manson is a bit overrated, perhaps, but Gerard moves the puck well. I mean, they have a really nice, nice but mix. Manson, you know, one of those guys that, has more value in the playoffs almost because he plays that little bit of a more physical game. The game is a little bit slower in the playoffs, maybe. Well, maybe not slower, but, you know, it gets tougher. And Manson can uh, certainly live up to that. I don't know if Adam Henrique is, is the guy, but he's the obvious one that is available that's a center that could fit in for the the Colorado Avalanche. But, you know, Ryan Johansson just hasn't had the uh, effect that they hoped he would uh, when they acquired him in the offseason there's the two moves for those teams Edmonton the obvious one is Jake Gensel if he becomes available today we find out Jake Gensel is going to be hurt for up to four weeks yeah so it muddies the situation even more than it already has but if Edmonton adds another top six forward and sort of lightens the load or prepares for you know those nights in the playoffs where McDavid and Dreisaitl just don't carry the offense as you expect them to 
those little blips on the radar where they go cold for a game or two yeah. and all of a sudden a series just changes wildly because they didn't get enough out of those two guys. If they added a top six forward, I think Edmonton would uh, would be very scary. Yeah. They already are pretty scary, but another one like that, very scary. Yeah, and Gensel obviously being out for a few weeks now. I mean, he's, he's even going to be back by the trade deadline. We don't no. know. We don't know. Probably yet. not. Like, they said they'll reevaluate in March. Yeah. So we'll Four see. Four weeks. That would put him a little bit past the trade deadline right now. So what does that do to his trade price? Mm-hmm. And also, again, where's Pittsburgh going to be at? It might make it cheaper to acquire him, to be honest. Yeah. If they're set on trading him too. So it's a bit tough. But he, him and Edmonton, that would scare you. Yeah. The LA Kings. Do you think adding a goalie to the LA Kings fixes all their problems? I don't think it fixes all their problems, but it probably makes them better in the moment. And we've talked about this on the show yesterday. There hasn't been, at least in in the modern, in modern, the past, at least, we haven't gone back the whole way, but at least the past 30 years, almost 40 years, there hasn't been a trade deadline deal for a goaltender that's led to a team to win a Stanley Cup. But they've traded for goalies at the deadline yeah. that have helped them win a round or two and go far in the playoffs. So that's not to say that maybe it's not the cure to win a cup, but could it be enough for them to get hot and win a round or two? Yeah. It could. Now, Woodley said he doesn't love Markstrom's fit with the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. Sorrows, perhaps. Yeah. So it depends on which one of the goalies they would get. Well, you get Sorrows for this year and next at $5 million. Yeah. I mean, that has some value to it. I don't know if it has, like... Hey, first round value, maybe that does, considering Saros being a Vesna player last couple of years, but Saros hasn't been that guy this year. So you're taking a little bit of a gamble that he finds himself in, in a new environment. LA's got a lot going on. They lost 7 nothing to the Buffalo mm-hmm. Sabres the other night. Second time they've lost to the Buffalo Sabres in the last couple of weeks. Vegas, I mean, Vegas is always in on something. They don't really have a ton of cap flexibility to do things. But it just always feels like they find a way to add a big piece at the deadline. Last year it was Barbashev and he worked a peach and has continued to be a part of their top line. They re-signed him. So what could Vegas do? It's probably add another top forward to their group because they are pretty deep on D when everybody's healthy. I mean, they're pretty deep in general when everybody's healthy. It's just they've been not so healthy pretty much all season long. And uh, that's been the biggest thing that has kind of hurt them. And I don't know if Gensel, to me, like, I don't know if they're going to go after a Gensel type. Yeah, I just think that might be a bit too high end for what they're looking for. Not to say they they couldn't use him. Is that what they need, though, necessarily? Yeah, probably not. Maybe not to that level. Like, I don't Um, think their needs are that... Big upfront in terms of goal scoring and, and high impact wingers that they have to go after a guy like that. Yeah, but I do think they like to get somebody that can give them some depth. I could see them adding uh, some depth, maybe a, a guy that's a little bit heavier. I don't know if Anthony Mantha really makes sense given the the money that uh, is attached to him. But I wonder they like size. They do. I mean, I even wonder about a guy like Max Pacioretty. Yeah, he's been there bring before. Him bring him back for some depth, perhaps. And hey, maybe he's washed up and he can't play, but he's coming off some significant injury. He's showing. Like I watch him here and there. He's a bit, bit slow. Yeah, but you can Two see Achilles injuries. Yeah, it's tough, right? But you see at times like there's something there. Is that the, is that the type of player they go after? Which if they if that's what they add, it doesn't scare me. If they do add a Gensel, I mean that is scary. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just not sure. It's it's as big a need for them to go that far. Uh, as for Winnipeg and Vancouver, they've already made their moves. You know, we've talked about the Canucks. Depth defenseman seems to be where their eye might be. 
And so paying for Chris Tanev doesn't really seem like much of an option. Sean Walker, the Canucks have been linked to the Philadelphia Flyers mm-hmm. and some of their potential openings or trade assets that they have, should they even go down the trade market road. But Sean Walker is going to cost you quite a bit too in trade, so I wonder if that is maybe off the table. And then there's some of the depth options. I think Alex Carrier is interesting out of Nashville. Justin Schultz we've mentioned on the show before, and Eric Johnson we've mentioned on the show before. Like Those are the, the t- kinds of things you might be looking at if the Vancouver Canucks do decide to dip into the trade market again. Yeah, and you know you mentioned Schultz, Eric Johnson, like you said, or even something cheaper. Like, yeah. If they can't go out and get those guys, because those guys might get priced out. There was a chance Eric Johnson, because of his experience, is a third and a fifth or a fourth, or maybe somebody right. throws a second. Justin Schultz hasn't played enough, I don't think, for him to be a second-round pick, but maybe somebody looks at it. There aren't enough righty defensemen. Or do you circle around and just add a guy like Chad Ruedel? Yeah. I mean, he's probably not as good as Juleson is, but he's played some games. You you wouldn't be afraid of having him as your eighth defenseman. He's probably upgrade on Friedman. Ultimately, they'll add somebody. The question to me is, is it going to be somebody that's literally just better than Friedman? Yes. Or somebody that's actually going to be, you're going to look at it and say, hey, do this we have a hard decision? Our top six defensemen. Do you have a tough decision to make? That's uh, that's sort of the lay of the land for trade options in uh, the Western Conference and what each contender could be looking at and what could upgrade each contender. Quickly, Tyler says he would gamble on Gensel if it was cheap at the deadline. Cheap at the deadline for Gensel would still be a first-round pick in a prospect. Yeah, I mean... I just don't feel like it's going to be all that cheap. I don't think it's going like if they were actually holding out for like a you know your top prospect like like Karamaki or Will, like you're not getting yeah. that from any team, but you're still getting a first and a prospect. They're probably looking for the the Claude Giroux type deal. Yeah, right. Maybe because he's hurt, you don't get as good of a prospect. Maybe that's the difference. But a first round pick is going to the Pittsburgh Penguins if they do decide to trade Jake Gensel. I think what what's more interesting is like. Why does Pittsburgh want to trade anybody? <laughs> but that's uh, that's sort of my mindset on the whole thing. I don't, yeah. th- I don't think like Kyle Dubas goes and trades for Eric Carlson, and now it's like, well, we're going to throw in the towel on this season. And what's your plan, actually? Yeah, <laughs> just do you have a plan? Are you rebuilding and trying to compete at the same time? It just doesn't. Uh, you can't really live half pregnant. It's like that Scooby Doo meme where they remove that <laughs> they remove the the mask off the yeah. player, and it's like Jim Benning. It's like, what? <laughs> It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Coming up, Arshdeep Baines is going to join us. Uh, We'll get his take on his breakout season with the Abbotsford Canucks and how he feels about hearing the NHL coach saying he's deserving of a look with the big club sometime soon. That's coming up next on Canucks Central. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back into the Kintech studio, it's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Find sore feet. What are you waiting for? I still have the uh, the old Kintech reads 
just seared into my brain. It's the muscle memory. It's yeah. the structure. You're like the Canucks last year with the bad habits. <laughs> you have to break that cycle. Yeah. New muscle memory has to be built and crafted. It's uh, it's no longer what the read used to be. It is now sore feet. What are you waiting for? Kintech, one of our great partners here at Sportsnet 650 and uh, truly the best if you are looking for orthotics. Uh, all right. So, uh, okay, we're we're, uh, we're waiting on Archie Baines. He's he's going to call in here in uh, in just a moment. Uh, I I do have a public service announcement that uh, I found out recently looking through my credit card statement. Or what's that? So, uh, I recently went to uh, Cabo, as as we know, and um, so coming home from Cabo, we're at the uh, the Mexico airport. Our shuttle brought us to the airport like four hours before our flight. So you're sitting at the airport, you got like all the time in the world to just like mm-hmm. do whatever, walk around, yeah. look at things. And of course you start to get hungry, right? You're bored, of you course. get hungry. And even though we, we had a big breakfast before leaving for the airport, it just didn't suffice. Plus well, you got a five hour flight coming up. So you want to eat before you get on the plane. And especially when you've been, um, you know, enjoying the all you can eat buffets yes, and a la carte life. restaurants for a few days, you know, your appetite's a bit bigger, you know, you're used to, you know, yeah. indulging. So uh, in Mexico, recently they, they've started putting a tax on paying with American dollars, I think, or something like that. So uh, you, you go to the airport and it's like, okay, so I'll just, I'll pay with my credit card. It's fine. And it's in pesos, right? So it's, I don't know. I didn't do the math in my head at the time. But so you can't pay with, with uh, dollars anymore? Like they tax you? It, it, so like the Americans like decide tax. to build a wall. Like, yeah, we're going to yeah. tax your money. Is that what they're doing now? It's so, like, like, is that how they're fighting back? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on. But uh, next thing I know, it's like 800 pesos. I don't think I had anything of it at the time. And I go to look at my, uh, for, for two burger combos at Carl's Jr. And I go to look at my credit card statement. And it's $75 for two burger burger combos well, at Carl's Jr. 800 pesos is like 45 bucks American. <laughs> yeah. So, man, tough, tough. T- tough scene. Just a public service <laughs> announcement for anybody uh, maybe traveling to Mexico in the, the not-so-distant future. All right, uh, let's bring in our next guest here on the program, AHL All-Star MVP. He is with your Abbotsford Canucks local boy as well. It's Arshdeep Baines. The Abbey Farm Report is a presentation of David L. Young of Dexter Realty. And Arshdeep joins us on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Thanks for this, Arshdeep. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're uh, we're pretty good, man. It's uh, It's been... Quite the year, just watching your progression come along, right? You have your first uh, season pro last year, score 38 points. You've already bested that with 39 in 42. Uh, to what do you attribute your success so far this season? I think uh, uh, most of my success probably came throughout the summer when uh, just training and you know, kind of building off the first season. and It's been really good just to kind of hit the ground running and kind of owe it to the the team for you know, kind of taking me under the ring and, uh, and uh, training me this offseason. I remember we were chatting with you during training camp, Canucks training camp in Victoria, and you had the mindset about doing everything you possibly could to make it a very tough decision for the Vancouver Canucks, and you had a lot of success playing with the guys throughout the preseason. Uh, how, did that experience kind of launch you into the Abbotsford Canucks season? Yeah, for sure. I think playing with those caliber type players and kind of being able to learn from them and gain some confidence that, you know, kind of being able to play at that level. And even if it's preseason, it was, it was really nice to kind of be a part of that team for a bit. And going into the season, I think a lot of guys 
pretty excited to get the season going. And uh, so was I. And it was a long summer waiting. And I think, kind of like I said at the start, just trying to be able to hit the ground running. And I think uh, our guys were able to do that. So adding an all-star MVP to your resume, how did that uh, how did that feel? Yeah, that was that was pretty special. Uh, couple of days there, I know it was kind of a, whirl, a whirlwind trying to get over there. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy travel time for you as well, and you still managed to grab MVP. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things going on trying to get there, but being able to get there that same day and having a couple of good games and it was, it was a really fun turn and uh, it was a memory I won't forget. Did you think there was a chance you wouldn't make it because you know you couldn't get out there for the day before for, for the skills competition? Did you feel like okay, maybe this this isn't going to align for me? Yeah, I think that first day trying to get there, there was a lot of delays, and then flying all the way there and flying all the way back, not being able to land. I wasn't sure if I was going to even try again, but uh, our team service guy was really able to help me, and he wanted to make sure I got there, and so did all the staff. So was able to fly to LA and by the time I got to LA I knew I was going to be able to drive there in a couple hours so but when I got there I was I was uh I was pretty sure I was going to make it but before that I wasn't I wasn't too sure so it was nice that they were able to help me. RG Baines our guest uh you came up uh, in uh, the coaches press conference uh Rick Tockett today bringing you up unprompted saying uh, you're probably next on uh in line for a call up to to the big club and maybe, maybe uh, it's not even a game experience but just wants to get you up and, and get you a little bit of uh, experience with the pro club and getting into some practices uh coaches coaches got you on his mind already yeah i i seen that that was, that was pretty special that uh, he was able to bring me up and kind of mention me so i was i was really uh, pleased to hear that and i think there's a lot of guys here that you know kind of could get that opportunity as well so it was nice to hear him say that. Even if I, you know, I get a chance to just be up there and practice, I, I'd be super excited. What would you say? You're, you've had having a ton of success this year, uh, right? I mean, not only with the team relative to the rest of the league, we talked about the All Star game and everything like that. What area of your game that you improved the most? Do you think is helping you the most this season, having this type of success? Yeah, I think it's kind of a cliche, but I think my biggest. Thing, kind of working on the summer was just getting stronger. I think uh, I'm a little bit of a smaller guy, maybe a little bit, you know, I try to play like a, a skilled, smart game. Mm-hmm. But I think this summer I was able to kind of gain some weight and get stronger and kind of lead it to me getting a little bit faster. And I think skating got a little bit better. So I think I got, I already have, you know, kind of the mindset and the, the tools to kind of play at a high level, but just making sure that I can, you know, compete with the, the physicality that, uh, that there's grown men that families they're much older than me so just being able to kind of compete at their level is kind of like my biggest challenge yeah, definitely. When we when we saw you in uh, in training camp, we in Victoria, you know, it felt like your your pace had picked up. And uh, I, I'm kind of wondering for you too is is like as the game slowed down, as your pace has picked up, uh, it, you know, when you're out there on the ice, as the game slowed down around you, where you're making that next. The, the the best decision on the ice rather than just the next decision. Yeah, for sure. I think when I can play at a faster pace, if it can help me slow the game down. Like you said, I think that's kind of one of my one of my kind of big things is trying to make plays on the ice and being able to kind of set my teammates up. So being able to slow the game down and you know, pick it up and just being able to be versatile, I think. 
playing with a lot of smart young players down here. We're kind of building some good chemistry. I know we're uh, struggling a little bit right now, but I think there's a big strong pipeline here, and I think a lot of guys can play with a lot of skill here. We hear a lot about the developmental system set up in Abbotsford, the coaches that are there, of course, and also how the Sedins come in and work closely. How how's that support system been, and, and how much does it help to have that type of environment at Abbotsford? Yeah, I think it's really important. I think that's why a lot of guys here get, you know, a lot better throughout a season. Like you can kind of see and being able to get guys like the Sedins and Higgins and all of them being able to come down. They're up top training with the Canucks, the Vancouver Canucks, and they get their input and they come back and they kind of try to guide us. It's it's a good recipe, and I think you'll see a lot of guys getting a lot better throughout this season. So uh, you've got a three-time Cup champ uh, skating out there uh, in Abbotsford with you guys lately. What's uh, first impressions on on Phil Kessel? Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool that he's there. I think he's uh, he's got his own thing going on right now, trying to you know get uh, you know. I guess trying to get uh, ready to you know, try to make the Canucks. So we're not trying to you know, get in his way too much. I think he's uh, he's trying to get back into it like it's uh, like his own plan. But I think it's uh, pretty cool to have him out there. Uh, we know that obviously you're a big Canucks fan and your family's still big Canucks fans. How, how much of the Canucks did you get to watch right now? I know you're busy doing your own thing, but what do you think of the season that's going on and have you had a chance to watch many games? Yeah, for sure. I think most of the nights we kind of end up playing at the same time, but when we're able to kind of see them play, I think it's really special that they they got that group going on. I think it's a big big turnaround from last year, and it's, it's nice to see that uh, they're uh, kind of finding their way in. I think they they deserve everything they got going on right now. I think they all of us worked pretty hard in training camp and getting ready for the season. It was it looked like they were going to do some good things this year. Hey, Arshdeep, really appreciate your time. Uh, congrats on the season so far, and uh, we'll see you up with the big club soon. Uh, hopefully. Thank you. Uh, there he is, Arshdeep Baines, Surrey's very own, Abby Canucks, and, of course, uh, AHL All-Star MVP. The Abby Farm Report is brought to you by David L. Young of Dexter Realty. Here, there, everywhere. Visit homes by davidlyoung.com. It's been an Unbelievable season for Arshdeep Baines. Yeah. Uh, nine goals, 30 assists, 39 points in 42 games. Uh, by comparison, he had 38 in 66, which even still, like as a rookie in the AHL, yeah. is a, a decent solid season. It's a solid start. It's yeah. a solid starting point for a guy that was undrafted and ends up signing after playing a full junior career. So. Arshdeep has come a long way. From the moment he signed with the Canucks, the amount of development that we've seen out of this player in, in two years is nothing short of remarkable to this point, Sad. No, and I know this week uh, a lot was made of Scott Wheeler's prospect rankings yeah. and had the Vancouver Canucks at 18th overall. And in his top 10 list, he had Arshdeep Baines coming in at number eight on that yep. Canucks prospect list. And that tells you about how far he's come. Yep. As an undrafted guy, that he's a top 10 prospect in, in a credible NHL team's prospect system. And yes, the Canucks don't have a top 10, top 15 prospect system. Come in at 18, however. Kind of yeah. middle of the pack. So he's he's more than just a respectable prospect. He's come a long way. And 
we know the coach is saying he's going to get a chance at some point. What I'm most excited about is watching him and what he might do next season. Maybe injuries hit, as we talked about. Maybe things happen where he has to show up and play. Don't expect him to come in and be a top six player right away or, or anything like that, or even an everyday player right away. But next season, we talk about this team and how great they've done turning things around. Yeah, The developmental system is something we talk a lot about too. And we look at Niels Hoaglander, how he's playing this year. And we, we joke about Colson being on the Hoaglander plan this year in Abbotsford. You're excited about him next year, but could Archdeep Baines crack the roster next season? And if you can graduate a couple of these guys, Colson coming back up next year, Archdeep Baines perhaps grabbing a spot in training camp, now you have two players on you know cheaper contracts that might be everyday players for you. That's what I'm you know looking for. Get a taste this year, get a bit of a chance, keep doing your thing, keep playing in, in Abbotsford. Hopefully they go on a long playoff run as well, get as much experience as possible. And could you really knock on that door and knock it down next year in training camp? Yeah, he's certainly put himself on the radar. Of course, coach mentioned today that uh, they'd like to get Arsteep up and, and at least practicing in a similar way to the way Jet Wu is uh, yeah. currently practicing with, with the big club. And they'll have those opportunities. Again, the nine-game homestand in, in March. Um, although, you know, when you get to that point, you only have a certain amount of call-ups, so you'll have to be uh, more strategic about how you bring up players at that point of the season. But we'll see. He's clearly done enough to get himself on the radar. And, you know, by that list from Scott Wheeler, he is ahead of guys like Danila Klimovich, who was a second-round mm-hmm. pick, and uh, some others within the Vancouver Canucks organization. So here's a guy, undrafted. It's one of the things that the organization said they were going to do when they came in. We need to take a dip into the European free agent pools, uh, college free agent pools, and, and anywhere else that we can find young players from and try to develop them into pieces for our organization. And you know, Archie Baines, along with some others, Nils Oman, and you know, like they've they've done that. They've made good on that promise that they had right from the get go. Now they had a couple of first round picks too, right? And that's why Lakira Mackey and Willander, yeah. those are the ones. But you pick in the first round, those guys should become top ten prospects for you, right? And these guys should be top five prospects. You add Atu Ratu via trade, yeah, who is a top five prospect for this team, maybe even number three or four, depending on where you want to rank him. You add Archie Baines as well. Cole McWards, another guy they signed. He's in that, in that kind of mix to be a top 10 prospect of the Vancouver Canucks. And then even a guy like Kirill Kudratsev, who they picked up late in the draft a couple seventh of years round. back. Seventh round. Taking a massive step forward. They have already signed him to a contract. And we'll see where his development takes him next year and whether he can really be a player or not. But these are players they picked with late draft picks or as college free agents or acquired via trade. And they're all in that mix to be top five, top 10 prospects. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable uh, that uh, the, the the prospect pool has come as far as it has. Like they were number twenty eight last year, right? And I know we've said it a thousand times, but not only were they capped out amongst the bottom teams in the league, they also had a very empty cupboard prospect pool to mm-hmm. go along with it. Generally, if you're a bad team, you, you'd hope that at least there's something coming. That's going to help you get out from being the bad team, but they didn't have much of that. So at the same time that they've upgraded the big club, this front office has been able to upgrade the prospect pool. And look, does that mean it's going to fix everything down the road? No, they still have like there's kind of a reliance here on you know building this thing out through the next number of years that 
Lekaramaki and Willander do hit pretty like at a pretty good rate for this club. Like there's quite a bit of reliance on the prospect pool having those two guys hit. Of course. I mean, if you don't have those guys at the top of the list, yeah. you know, it doesn't quite look as good. Lekaramaki, of course, has had a tremendous season. Willander, I'd say it's been an adjustment year for him. Mm-hmm. A lot of positives, but also areas of his game that have to grow and improve. But that was always a thing with Willander. When we projected him, one of the things that I liked about him was there's still a lot of potentially untapped ability in his game. And and maybe it's untapped because there's nothing to tap. You find out <laughs> over time in terms of offensive ability. But I think the whole point with him was you have to give him another year or two, and then you'll see ultimately, can he be more than a defensive top four defenseman? I think his p- profile, and even people that have been critical of his lack of offensive growth this year in, in Boston, they all agree he's been really good defensively. Yeah, that, that There's a real strength to his game. He moves the puck well, he skates really well, he's smart defensively, does a lot of things positively, can be physical as well. So there's a lot in his game that even if he doesn't figure out the offensive side, he's still projecting to be a reliable new age defenser, defenseman. So there's a lot, a lot there, and both guys should be NHL contributors. Just you got to be patient. I think Willander, you got to wait. And yeah. I think even Lakaramaki, as, as exciting as it's been, probably needs a full year in Abbotsford. I mean, he's still you know a young player, still a player that has to grow into his body a bit more. Young, one of the younger guys in his draft class, still only 19, doesn't turn 20 until later this summer. So you got to be a bit more patient with these guys, but there is a lot of potential there. Uh, Lakaramaki, four goals in his last three games in the SHL. Did have a little bit of a cold spell after uh, being named the best player at the World Juniors, but is getting himself back going in the right direction. And I think it's it's pretty telling that for as much as they want to upgrade this team and give it the best possible chance to take a run at the Stanley Cup this year, the feeling is Lekaramaki and Willander are pretty close to untouchable. Like it would have to take something pretty significant for the Canucks to listen or have to be willing to put one of those two players in a deal. Okay, I don't disagree that it, it would have to take a player that's really good. But what did I just say about both guys too? It's going to take some time. Yeah. Like... There is a chance that you don't see Willander play a top four role for another three years. Yep. There's At which chance, point Quinn Hughes' contract is going to be expiring. Right. And another, you know, might take three years for two, three years for LeCaramacchi to make a big impact. Yeah. At which point Thatcher Demko's contract is going to be expiring. And I'm not saying they're going to go out there and trade these guys. And they're not trading them for rentals. That's not happening. I don't think. Right. But. I wouldn't put it past them if the right deal is is available that they ser- seriously consider it. Yeah. But it would have to be somebody to your point that fits in closer with the age range. Like if they're moving these guys, it's somebody in their 20s. Yeah. You know, it's not somebody that's like 29, 30 years old. It would have to be somebody a bit younger that would be under team control for more than a couple I, of years. It would have to be like another Philipronic type. Yeah, and I mean acquisition, right? Like that level of player where there's some control. They're in their mid-20s. And you're projecting them to play sort of an impact-type role on this roster right away. I, I, like you said, I, don't, I, I just can't see it happening for a rental or somebody that's you know, a little bit over the hill at yeah. uh, 30, 30 or some odd years of age. That's the level that I think the, this team believes in those two prospects. But the other one, and, and something we've seen with Nils Hoaglander, and now we're, we're looking at Vasily Podkolzin, is what can Podkolzin be? I don't 
foresee Pod Colson, you know, unless there's a, a, a rash of injuries ending up with the big club at some point this year. Um, Jim Rutherford has said it numerous times publicly even that the right now the plan with Pod Colson is just to give him a long runway of playing at the AHL and get his confidence up. And if you see some of the clips out of Abbotsford, some of the goals that he's scoring, yeah. you know, he he looks like he's starting to build that up. And he maybe never lives up to a 10th overall draft selection sort of value in your mind as a fan, but that doesn't mean he can't bring value to this team if he's able to take this year of development and translate it into a more consistent NHL game next year. There are a lot of NHL traits still in his game, but he's probably never going to live up to that 10th overall spot. Yeah. Now you have to recalibrate your expectations for that. However, I still think there is a chance that he can be the type of digger who can play and support a couple top six guys. Like that, like, could he do some of the things Mikheyev does at his best? And I know people now, right now, are not into what Mikheyev can do. Mikheyev but... does nothing at his best. <laughs> what is Mikheyev's best, even? Well, it's been decent at times. But yeah, he's been cold. I can see maybe the high end being something along those lines, not a driver in the top six, but can play alongside of guys. And we even saw that throughout stretches when he played with Pedersen. Yeah. And we thought, okay, like, you know, if he really develops, can he be that type of guy that four checks well, has some size, shoots the puck decently? There's a lot of things in his game that are positive. I think he's going to be an everyday NHL player. It might just be in a bottom six role. Yeah. He has, uh, he's got a long way to go in terms of showing that he can play top six minutes or have top six scoring upside. But as we see with a lot of teams, and we see with the Canucks right now, you have duos that you're working with, right? You got Miller and Besser. Who's going to play that left wing? Here's what we need you to do. Those are going to be the scorers on that line, but these are the non-negotiables that you have to do for this line to have success. That's why Phil DiGiuseppe lasted so long there because he was performing those duties at a, a pretty decent level yeah. for such a long time. Um, that's why for a long time, Ilya Mikheyev stuck next to Elias Pettersson because he's doing the things defensively we want him to do. And even though the scoring's not really there, we can live with it for now. So it doesn't always have to come down to the scoring. It's just... Are you living up to our staples and doing these non-negotiables for your role on this line that can allow the top players have to, to, to have success and be able to get into scoring position and do the things that we need them to do? Yeah, and some of that comes down to intelligence, Yeah, but there is a level of ability. There's a lot there in his game that I think he could do those things. Somebody texted in and said, could he be a Barbashev type? I could see him being that type of player. That's what JT Miller compared him to. Yeah. You know, a year or so back, he said, "You know, I, you know, I play with Barbashev. He's he reminds me of him a lot. I know the players are big, very high on the ability that Putkolzin has. And for those asking if he should play center or not, his biggest issue is overthinking. Mm -hmm. If he plays center, he's got to think even more. Yeah, I'm just not sure he's built to be able to do that effectively and process the game enough. Like he he's having, I wouldn't say trouble, but he is working on that part of his game right now, playing the wing." You add another dimension of it to play center, I think it's asking too much of him. And, uh, you know, Barbashev, 
first line forward for a Stanley Cup winning team, technically. Facts only here on uh, on Ivan Barbashev. So that would be a good plan for uh, or a good ceiling if you will, for Vasily Podkolzin. That's a little bit of an update on the Canucks prospect pool as we just spoke with Arshdeep Baines in a prospect pool that is growing in value, even though um, you know it's been a couple of difficult cir- circumstances. And without a first-round pick, they're going to be relying on uh, some of the prospects in-house to continue growing through these next couple of years. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. You are listening to Canucks Central.